Hello, Cubs fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of Cubs on Tap. It's a W again. The Juice and Lou show gets back-to-back Ws. Oh, I couldn't feel better on a Wednesday night after Cubs win. You hear me? I'm loose. He's Juice. Buddy, how you doing? The Cubbies win again, man. Uh, let's start a streak, man. It'd be nice to, you know, kind of rack a few. You got tomorrow, you got Kyle, all the vibes will be there at Wrigley tomorrow. It'd be awesome to see that, you know, and coming off of an awesome Marcus Stroman start. How fun was tonight, man? It was, uh, one of those that you feel as long as he's on the mound, he's in control, you know, kind of started out more or less, you know, down 2-0, he gives up the home run, but I mean, it was one bad pitch through over the course of the night, everything else was was just fine. And another eight inning to run. I think Boog said it or JD said it on the broadcast. They're like, it doesn't even feel like he's given up a run. He's pitched that well that it just didn't feel that way. Um, but he constantly continues to pick up the ball every fifth day and give you a chance to win. And that's what you need out of your ace. 100%, man, and I think that's where we've got to start. Marcus Stroman, it's good to see him get a win, too. I feel like he was a little snake-bitten from the win perspective. Good starts, just not getting the run support. Well, he got enough tonight. When you go eight innings and only give up four hits, the two earned, as you mentioned already, only walked two, three Ks. He lowers that ERA under three. Uh, he's down to a 295 ERA on the season now. Bider comes in in the nine, cleans it up, gets his first – or, pardon me, second save of the season. Lewis is the R8 at 177. I mean, Juice, we, we talked about last night's win being just what the doctor ordered to change everything around. But they had to use quite a bit of the bullpen. They went to Estrada. They went to Fulmer. They went to, you know, Leiter, who we got to see again tonight. Two pitchers to get you through the game. You can't ask for more. That's what the doctor ordered was a, an eight-inning show start to really save this bullpen that's been struggling right now. And, again, like you mentioned, just he was getting it all done too, right? Inducing the ground ball. The ground ball rate was high tonight, just three Ks from Stroh over the course of eight innings. But the stuff looked good. He was in control, like you said, Juice. And on top of it, made a couple of nice plays in the field too. Just showing off the complete package, as you said, as an ace pitcher for the Chicago Cubs team. He's kind of got it all, right? I mean, he's got the the sinker was sinking, as as you know, you said earlier on in the year. Um, he his skill set like fits this team so well, right? Oh, yeah. He puts the ball on the ground often, makes has weak contact, and he just allows you know the lineup and that those guys who are out there in the infield to just pounce on ground balls all day and and it's going to be successful as long as you got guys like nico horner and dansby swanson up the middle um it it was great there's really no trouble other than you know my, maybe a few innings that he had to you know wiggle his way out of but i mean it was just impressive just to see him be so efficient you know we, we look at starters now and you're happy when they go sixth when they can go two extra it's like you've bought a whole game worth of rest essentially for, you know, some of these guys in the pen. And it also kind of bridges the gap to some solutions. Excuse me. You know, you look at, at Cody Hoyer, that's, that's a name that's going to be coming off the, off the list and, and able to be activated in about a week. There were some good reports out of him. Um, 
He's, uh, he's from shit Iowa. Pumping, shit pumping 98. Down so, right now. so now you're looking, you know, it's another game that you've won that you've bought time for your Achilles heel to be fixed. Mm-hmm. And anytime that you can you know, only use one guy, and let's be completely honest, like using lighter, he probably is still available for tomorrow. He only went one inning. He didn't throw a lot of pitches. It was essentially like a side session for him. So realistically, like the only one who should not be available going in tomorrow is Marcus Stroman. That's it. Uh, and that's that's going to be, you know, we talked earlier on the show about Kyle Hendricks coming out. You you hope that it's the Kyle that we've seen at Wrigley Field of old, but you don't know. You may have to, you know, get in the game where you got to slug it out and you're going to have to find four or five guys to get you to the end of the, tomorrow's ball game. You don't want to, you know, kind of burn tonight what you could maybe have to use tomorrow. So tonight meant so much for – you know, the, that pitching staff to get just a, a night off, essentially, and the good vibes of there's two straight games that your bullpen has come into with high leverage situations and and gotten the job done. You know, you, then you start – this is how you start building back your confidence in your pen. You start having guys come in, you know, leave the games without giving up runs and hits, and, you know, they've done that over the course of the last two nights. And that's something for them to build on. And and that's certainly something that I think small victories as of right now for this this team as they're trying to figure out their roles means so much more right now than I think any of us imagine because they were down so bad over the course of this losing streak and, and much of May that I think they're just trying to find something to grasp too. And these are two nights that you can look at and you go, all right, well, he, he got us to the eighth. We came in in the ninth, two-run lead with, you know, some professional hitters at, at bat with Lindor and McNeil, and you were still able to, you know, close the game out and and in a fashion to where nobody really in the park was that nervous. Last night, you know, Smiley was great for five, was unable, kind of got in a jam in the sixth inning last night, and Estrada did his best to work out of it with only giving up one run. And all things considered, that was – you know, what we talked about last night, I thought the changing point in the ball game was one of those moments where I think Cub fans everywhere took a little bit of a breath and said, all right, like, let's see what this bullpen can do over the course of this last three. But that could have been a lot worse than it was. So I, I think the small victories are something that we definitely need to look at is, is building blocks. And it's another day that you get by until maybe some reinforcements are on the way for this pen. Yeah, 100%. I think to add on to that, too, just quickly about the pen, like, I think you're just starting to see some of the guys, too, come out of the woodwork that are truly reliable, right? We're 50 games in now. You know, you you see the lighters of the world stand continue to stand out. You've seen a guy like Jeremiah Estrada show a lot of promise, and, and albeit limited action thus far. Then you have a, a Cody Hoyer coming back. There's always the option that they they buy an armor to – um, you know, at the deadline, you know, for, you know, low-level prospect. Who's to say that we don't see a Bailey Horn at some point in this season? Like, there there are other options as well that make it exciting, that thinking that they are building back toward a competent bullpen, or at least enough to win you ball games. But again, man, when you when you got your 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 top two in this rotation right now, in, in, in Stroh and Steele giving you six-plus every single night, that just makes you feel really good about where the where this bullpen is 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 going and and juice 
there's one other thing I want to bring up about this. Yeah. Start. Um, first off, I want to go to the comments. Hello <laughs> to everybody. If you're not joining the conversation, if you're watching along with us on Twitter, go over to YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell button. Be sure to follow along with us during the show, and you can join the conversation. Scott says, can we play the NL East every day? I'm starting to feel that, too, at least with this Mets team. Um, he says this team is getting hot. And 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 I think tonight's game was was hopefully that kind of turning point because there was an energy juice. Like, we talk about energy being a real thing, right? Swagger is an energy. Momentum is an energy. How about the how about the the poof look from Stroh tonight? That was <laughs> yeah. swaggy. I loved that. It's, that was the first thing I noticed. I looked on the mount. I turned the TV on. I, I put the game on. I'm I'm 90% certain that's the first thing they got tweeted from Cubs on tap tonight. Was like, ooh, Stroh's Stroh's got it all fluffed out, ready to go. Damn, that looked good. And it, I still it, I still love the braids though, man. I love braid Stroh so bad. I, I just Stroh. really do. It's I I do like the puff though. It kind of you know it's different. It's different. different. You know, like and like, I think your tweet said something along the lines of state, same stroke, same stuff, or something like that. But yeah. he's the man of many looks. He can pull off a, a lot of different hairstyles and looks, and he's fun, man. He's you know, it's the most interesting part about the broadcast. I did not realize this. Boog brought it up, and you may have been doing uh, Blackhawk stuff at that point. But Boog was talking about how after his start, he'll he'll mimic the pitches he throws left-handed. He'll throw the same amount of pitches with with his stance left-handed. That way, he keeps himself in balance, balance, and yeah. doesn't and doesn't have like issues with one side of his body. Opposed, kind of keeps you know everything stretched, and he, he doesn't get tensed up on one side. And I thought that was interesting. There's something I never even thought of that you know you do so much movement with one side of your body. And that left side kind of gets neglected, but he's kind of, you know, found a way to kind of combat a little bit. And he doesn't throw crazy hard. He doesn't, you know, have the 95 plus stuff. I mean, he can get up there, but it's not, he's not a power pitcher. He's, he pitches the contact, but I, I just thought it was interesting to like, there's so many, you know, we sit here and we watch the game and we think like they, they show up, they stretch, they get ready, but you don't realize like the behind the scenes stuff that they don't ever talk about mm -hmm. that just makes me so badly want to be like in a locker room for just a homestand. Just be like, what are these guys doing when, you know, the game's over pregame, you know, I know we, we talked to steel a lot about it, but steel like just seems like that, that normal kind of prototypical pitcher, right? The guy who he just shows up and he's got the bulldog in him and then he just competes. Opposed to like Strowman's like quirky, you know, he's yes. got that like that difference about him where he's always trying things. It kind of reminds me of like a less like I wouldn't say a less athletic, but like a less strong. Like remember Jake Arrieta was doing all the Pilates and all that weird stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of reminds me of that. It's like you know Marcus Strowman in a lot of ways, and and you can probably speak a lot to this as, as you're uh, as Marcus Strowman stand, but he's really he's different. You know, and I think it's interesting to see that, you know, that was something that he thought of or he's read about or he's he's a very intelligent, smart guy, a guy who's really into his craft and into pitching. It's interesting to see that, like, he's found some success. I'm like, hey, after this, I need to mimic at least 90. If I throw 95 pitches with my right arm this way, after I got to mimic, you know, 95 
on the left side or do something on the left side to even out what I did. That way, you know, I'm keeping my body balanced. I'm keeping my, my center centered. Yeah, he's and, and this is why juice like for stuff like this. This is why I enjoy when players go on podcasts and speak out. I enjoy when guys produce their own content and aren't afraid to hide things from the general public because it is such a fascinating part of being an athlete, right? Like at any level, any level of sports that you've played, like if you've walked into a trainer's room, that is the type of stuff, right? Like the conversations in the trainer's room, right? Like what guys do to get ready. Everybody's got their own different routines. Stroh has always been very public about the amount of training he does, both with his mind, but also with his body as a whole. He's very big on balance. Balance to him is the biggest key because he takes it back all the way to a point where pre-pitch clock, obviously, when he used to do a lot more of it, he still does some of it now, but on a, on a more reduced scale, was messing with a, time, uh, a hitter's timing. Because he would, he said he he used to sit in the cages with the guys that he played in Toronto with, the Bautistas and the Donaldsons and all of those, the Encarnacion's of the world, and ask those guys what what's the biggest thing that pisses you off as a hitter that a pitcher can do, and they would always say it's to mess with his timing. He actually called out former Cub Nick Castellanos as one of those guys that he talks to a lot and asks those kind of questions to. Timing is everything with everybody and, and anything, right? Timing is everything. And for him, he learned the only way he could really mess with timing was to be for his body to be able to handle, you know, standing in a stretch hold for a long time, giving weird movements, you know, kind of we've seen it with like Nestor Cortez does it a little bit too, where he gets all weird and off balance. Then he comes in with a weird arm angle and gives you something that's off. It, it screws with your timing and your thought process. Stroh's very big on that too. So, it doesn't surprise me that he does that, but it's really cool to learn that because he is so big on balance and everything and fluidity and his core strength. Like he talks so heavily about keeping his core strong because the core feeds everything. And, you know, so for to, to hear that kind of, you know, that piece is it's not surprising, but it's really cool to think that like he then goes back and he'll mimic, you know, 88 pitches or whatever it took or 89 pitches. I think it took tonight to get through the eight innings. Uh, of what he threw in each of those 89 pitches. So I think that is, is incredibly fascinating. Um, yeah, man, like you said, he's just different, but he's such a fun player to have in Chicago. And um, I'll, I'll hammer the drum. Now the reports came out that the Cubs had approached Stroman about extension talks, get her done. Get yeah. her done. Just especially, especially too, since he just fits the timeline, like his prime is going to fit the timeline of this window so well. Right. I mean, and he's going to age so gracefully, I feel like. Absolutely. Like he he will be a fourth and fifth starter at one time, but it'll be one of those guys that you don't want to face because he will be quirky and he will be, you know, he'll he'll throw that sinker. And and that that sinker like doesn't doesn't need to be like have crazy velocity for it to be effective. You know, I mean it's it's a movement pitch and it's something that makes hitters beat it into the ground. I think that like that's one of those that you feel comfortable with, and you look at like his injury history, and there's not much. You know, he does pick up the ball, get the ball as much as he can in terms of like this year, and he's been healthy ever since. You know, his, his beginning of the Cub, his Cub career. But when he's healthy, he he very much is is a guy that you can count on. And like I said, I think that he just ages gracefully, and he, he really you're going to get the best 
you're probably going to get the best Strowman for the next couple of years in your window of contention too. So you might as well. I mean, you're, what are you going to, you're going to find somebody on the open market who's going to be cheaper. And he probably with, with the way he describes Wrigley, he probably gives you somewhat of a discount considering how much he loves playing here. I mean, he's going to get paid, but he's talked all about how much he loves the energy, the fans in Chicago and, you know, how much the, the fan base and the locker room has embraced him. Cause let's be honest, man. Like for the longest time, he was, he was a controversial character. I mean, he's not somebody that was loved by everybody. The minute he walked in, like we said, as quirky as he is with his pitching, he's quirky with his personality too. So it, it's very much uh, something that I think that he's found a good home. He's found a good locker room. He's found a good fan base to get behind him. And yeah, man, he, he just loves pitching at Wrigley. It's something that we absolutely uh, would love to have here for a while. 100%. And I, I am all for it. I, I think that, like you said, the move makes a lot of sense. And even as, even if he does continue to shift down this rotation as years go by and, and guys like Brown and Wicks potentially make it to the next level and become staples in this, in this Cubs rotation because of the agreed, he's going to age like fine wine in comparison to some other pitchers because he is a, a contact pitch to contact guy. He is somebody who takes really good care of his body he's going to be an effective player for a long time. So you can give him a little bit of term and probably have a lot less concern than some other guys that you'd give term at, at this age in their careers in terms of him being worth the contract in the long run. And I think having him in that locker room too, for some of these younger guys over the course of these, you know, coming years is also going to be beneficial because you don't know what, what veterans are going to be there in, in the long run right now, just the way things are shaping up. And I think he'd be incredibly important. One quick last thought here, uh, Juice, on Strowman before we talk a little bit about the hitting tonight, uh, before we get into some other things. Scott says, Juice's key stat to watch. Cubs are currently 13th in Team ERA with a 4-1-2. Yeah, I checked up uh, on that tonight uh, as well. The bullpen is what's inflating that crazily. Um, But that's another asset of pitching or facet of the pitching staff. So if they could figure that out, they'd probably find themselves within the top 10. And below that, what I think I put it at like three nine or three eight seven or something like that that they have to be at to uh, make the playoffs. And uh, yeah, they're around there. They're it'd be nice to see them figure out the bullpen and get in the top five because that's when really when you're talking about having a, a World Series contender when you can get in that top five. One hundred percent, and it, it would certainly be nice to see. But speaking of things that were nice to see, Juice, uh, the bats. It wasn't super pretty, but they did enough to get a win tonight. Weird-looking lineup initially when it came out today. It was. Matt Schiavone in the two-hole. Um, he went 0-3 for 3 ultimately, but did have a pair of walks. Um, you know, Swanson bumped down. Each of those guys bumped down another slot. Barnhart behind the you know plate. Just a weird-looking lineup compared to what we've seen so far this year, but it got the job done. It got enough to happen. Corner got on early in the game. He gets driven in by Swanson for the Cubs' first run on that double. And then they follow that up, um, you know, with Seiya Suzuki driving in Swanson on his double. Talkman then drives him in on one of his two hits for a ribby as well. Uh, Morell had a lone hit tonight, not the home run, so that streak ends, unfortunately. Um, you know, but then Nico well, with the insurance run blast, and that thing was a that was a nice shot to see out of Nico. It was good to see his power coming back as well. 
I mean, again, they, they did enough to get it done. Hap, two hits tonight. Talkman, two hits tonight. And, and a slew of other guys getting a hit in, in crucial situations with men on base. This is exactly what you like to see, especially when your pitcher's as hot as Stroh was tonight. Just get enough. You don't need everything. Just do enough. And they did just enough. They beat up on Kodai Senga enough to get the lead when he was still in the game. And then to get that insurance run when you got to their bullpen is all that mattered because Stroh was was dominant and Leiter did the exact same thing in the ninth inning. It, it's, it's not beautiful. They didn't light up the scoreboard, but Juice, timely hitting, gets the job done. I think it's much more beautiful of a performance than what the run production will show, though. I mean, Sango was at you know, 90 pitches in, like, the f- fourth inning. I mean, it was very patient. This is honestly, like, what they did tonight, I think, is one of the best recipes for them to win night after night after night. Be patient. Don't swing at, stri- swing at balls. When you get something in the zone, let it loose. And they did that. I, I too, I want to know – what the stats are and what the Cubs win record is when Dansby Swanson has an RBI and Nico Horner has an RBI. I bet you it's probably a pretty high winning percentage. I know it's probably a very small sample size, but those two guys at the top of the order, when they're driving in runs, you feel comfortable, right? It, it, it feels like they're setting up the power guys in the middle. And also that means that their lineup at the bottom is really performing because when they're able to get hits, and driving runs, it means that there's guys on base when it's getting flipped over. And that's something that you look at, those two guys are not necessarily run producers. You know, they're they're table setters. But they have the ability to be that, you know, 80, 90 RBI guys if if this were a Cub team that where you didn't have power hitters. But you do. And and that's a great thing about, you know, the, the course of this lineup and, yeah, I absolutely. I thought it was a weird lineup when I saw it, and then as the game went on, it's one of those where you look at Ross and go, "Ah, oh, okay, good for you, man." Like notch on your belt there for you know looking at at some of the matchups, and and it made sense. You know, there was a lot of you know great plays being made in the field for for a guy like Stroman who gets a lot of ground balls, and also too like some timely, simple at bats. You know, I think that they may have saw something on Senga's tape to where if they laid off of a lot of the, the fork ball and the breaking stuff, like you were, you make him come into the zone. And then, you know, they were able to, you know, pepper play pepper a little bit and, and hit it out there into the outfield and, and get the, get the ball rolling on that. But yeah, I, I want to know that record when Nico has an RBI, when Dansby has an RBI, because those two to me, it's, I know we talk about, you know, Nico, we go, but those two, like, when they hit, it, it makes this lineup that more dangerous, and it lets those middle guys be those middle guys. It, it lets yeah. them take those driver swings opposed to you know, having to set the table again. But, yeah, man, I, I think I think we're on to something here. I think we're on to something with Mervis lower in the lineup, and I think we're on to something with, with Morrell in the middle of it because it seems like Morrell's buying some of these guys better pitches to hit too. And I wonder if – that's at least a little bit of the case as he stays hot like that. And you can always move Mervis up the lineup and down the lineup if you feel like he's in a in a, in a groove. But mm-hmm. I, I really, too, you know, you talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about moving the lineup around and how Joe Madden did that 
so many times. I think Ross is kind of realizing that he can be a little bit more experimental at, at times like tonight where you know you're going to get a good performance out of a pitcher like Stroman against this lineup. Kind of it's a great kind of matchup for him. That was your game to go, all right, I can get Talkman at bats. I can get Miles Mastroboni in this lineup because they're going to be patient and they're going to get him back into the zone. And then when he sees the fastball, they're going to play Pepper with it. And that's exactly what I thought Ross saw tonight. And it made sense. And after, you know, watching the ball game, I went, oh, that's, that's what he saw. And he's gotten a lot of scrutiny for the bullpen and the lineups and things like that. But you can't say anything bad about him tonight because that lineup made sense and it worked. Yep, it sure did. And, and things you love to see really quick uh, regards to the bats here. Um, absolutely agree with you on, on everything you said with the lineup. I think it's fun to see where he's experimenting, especially with some of these newer guys that we don't see as much on the or haven't seen as much, I should say, on the roster. Worth noting, Sayo Suzuki was the first player this year to have a hard hit off of Kodai Senga, which is constituted as a ball with exit velocity greater than 95 miles per hour. So interesting. That's a pretty fascinating little stat that they dropped during the broadcast as well early on with that with uh with Seah's hit. So, you know, for him to to be the, the first guy to get it to, it, it kind of feels, you know, almost appropriate in a lot of ways because, you know, he's familiar with them, right? Like sure. uh, probably more familiar than anybody here. So, you know, it, it's cool that he was the first one to like, I, I've seen the fork ball. I know what it does. I'll get one. I'll figure it out. So, um, and he took care of business tonight. Juice, um, timely hitting, good pitching. That's the recipe to wins. Friends over at Sox on tap had that today, too. It's just it's a good recipe for success. But let's talk a little news before we uh, we fully look toward Thursday at this point, because it involves a certain player returning on Thursday. And that is Kyle Hendricks, as Jack has said here in the comments a little earlier. Starting tomorrow is Kyle Hendricks. The professor is back. Um, you and I were talking. There's a chance if the lineup or pardon me, if the rotation kind of filters out the way it does. I might see him pitch next Tuesday against the Rays. That'd be the first time I've seen him pitch live since opening day of 2022. Been a hot minute. This guy has not pitched since early July of last season. How good is it going to feel to see Kyle Hendricks back out on the mound tomorrow night, Juice? Yeah, it'll tug at your heartstrings, right? I mean, he is the remaining 2016. Obviously, the managers uh, was a big part of that as well, but – he is the remaining, he is the guy who, you know, put the team on his back for a lot of that, you know, the World Series game seven, and then he pitched, you know, the, the series against the Dodgers, pitched our way in the pennant game. It's just good to see Cub legends come back, right? And just be, and he will be that. At the end of the day, when he hangs up his cleats, he will be welcomed back in the same breath as, you know, the guys like Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and, you know, the legends who didn't get it done, who weren't able to win a World Series. But I uh, I am curious to see what he has. You know, it's been so long since we've seen him. It's it's It'll be like a reintroduction in a lot of ways to, to what he is, what he's good at. You know, we still know he's got the pinpoint location. He'll have the changeup. He'll have the – you know, the sinking fastball and, and he'll mix curveball. And we know his pitch pitch repertoire, but it's been so long since we've seen him. The last time we saw him, he was throwing 85. I mean, there's a lot of 
talk about how he's up towards the high 80s now and throwing 89, 88, which he for him, touched 90 in his last yeah, time. Out. Which for, for him, that means so much more. I mean, that five miles an hour, if he's able to just show 90, he doesn't even need to be consistently showing 90. You know, just just having that in his back pocket that he can rear back and and grab not rear back and grab ninety. It's kind of funny to say it that way, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I I'm interested to see. You know, he's a field pitcher. He's he's a guy that you know as he gets more starts, I feel like he's gotten better. Like we always talked about the Kyle Hendricks in April when you're like, man, like this is just him. Like it's just gonna be a long time until he can. But now, like, he's had that spring training-ish kind of, you know, way to work his way back in AAA. And I'm just curious to see, like, what he'll have, what stuff he'll have, and just battle, eat innings. I mean, we're not asking him to be a top three at this point. You know, we we have that in Smiley and then, you know, Stroman and Steele. You know, eat some innings, give quality starts. You know, if he can go five innings – and, and save the bullpen, but throw, you know, give up only three runs in the five innings, I'd be happy. If I'd take that every single game that he throws from here on out. If he threw five and gave up three, I, I'd i sign me up every day for, for Kyle Hendricks starts like that. But it will be, I think in a lot of ways, and I think Suddy even said this, the key to his season back at CubsCon was Kyle Hendricks. It was how healthy is he? Is he more of a uh, of a innings ear, or is he, you know, a, another top of the rotation guy? Those are questions that need to be answered because with the way that Tyone's pitching, if you can get like just vintage Kyle Hendricks, you're looking at four days on the schedule that you feel confident that you have five, six innings in here. Yeah. And that means so much to a ball club. And I think Tyone eventually figures some things out. I don't think he's going to be this bad all year. But if they can find a fourth, it makes the pen less taxed. It makes managing for David Ross so much easier. And he's just a presence in that locker room that I think these guys, when he comes in, will be like, all right, let's go. Like Hayden Wisniewski – when he came up, great. But you knew that's a rookie. You know, he's he's the guy who's trying to earn his way and figure his way out through, you know, major league. Kyle Hendricks has done it. He's done it all. So he's a guy that these younger guys can lean on. Go up and say, hey, man, like, what are you seeing here? And that's a that's a recipe for, for a leader. And somebody other than David Ross in that locker room would be like, hey, like, this is how we did things in 16. This is how we won ball games, And that's – I think that means so much more as of right now. And I hope that like the stuff is there to go along with that leadership qualities that he has. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree. I think it's going to be so fascinating to see what he can give this team, because like you said, even if he is going out there giving you five really solid innings, that does very much change the dynamic of this ball club going forward because Hayden struggled a little bit early in the season. You start, you, had, you saw some good starts from him, but overall struggled. You know, Tyone has struggled out of the gate. So it really was like three out of every five days you felt good about what you had going on. Now, if you bump that up to, you know, 80% of the time, you have a starting pitcher out there that's going to be 
solid. That is incredibly encouraging. It's just going to be good to see Kyle Hendricks back. I kind of, I hope he's vintage Kyle. I feel like, again, another pitcher that I feel like ages gracefully because he doesn't throw hard as long as he still has the movement. You know, and maybe he's worked on some stuff in that time where he's been really like taking his time to truly get healthy and come back. Maybe he's been working on some stuff. Maybe there is going to be a little more spin than there has been the last two or three seasons. Maybe we do start to get a little bit of that vintage Kyle. Do I think he's going to be 2016 Kyle? No. But even if he can give you, oh, I don't know. Let, let, let's let's talk it through here real quick, Juice. I'm, I'm pulling up some career ERAs from seasons uh, for our, our boy Kyle Hendricks. I mean, he's a career 346 guy. But even dating back, let's say he gives you 2019 Kyle Hendricks. He had a 346 ERA that season. He Every year before that, he was better besides 2015. Every year since then, he was really good in 2020 and then has been in the high fours the last two years. If he's a, even if he's a 3-6 guy, right, that is a massive addition to the starting rotation right now, and it will absolutely let them do so much more. So I'm, I'm pumped to see Kyle back. I'm absolutely uh, going to be keeping my eyeballs on that game. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun to see what they, uh, what they decide to do with it, really, um, and, and how, you know, he gets the job done with how they get through. Hopefully it's five. He went five and back-to-back um, starts there at one point, Iowa. You know, maybe he give, give him five. Give him another five good, good and keep Another good there. matchup for him too, right? I think yeah. this is a this is a good team for him to come back to. There's some good hitters, but there's also some guys that will strike out an off the, or, or a lot within the Mets lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of younger hitters that are probably going to be in it. As well, you know, if you're looking at like Beatty and who's the other guy, Vientos, Alvarez, Alvarez, yeah, like I mean, there's a lot of young guys that have never seen Kyle Hendricks, and probably, you know, if they did, it wasn't the version that he could be when he comes up tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's a good matchup for him, and even even Alonzo, like, I mean, it's it's a it's a home run lot waiting to happen, but. Kyle can mess with his his timing, and, and it'll be, you know, maybe it'll be all right. <laughs> there, I will tell you this right now. There is one guy I can almost guarantee you will be in the starting lineup tomorrow for the Mets, and that's Tommy Pham, career 318 hitter off of Kyle with two bombs. Yeah. So he's going to be Oof. in the lineup for sure. Escobar has a, a, a 357 average in, in 14 at-bats. Marte, though, not that great. 231 in 26 a, uh, ABs against Kyle. Surprisingly, Dan Vogelbach uh, batting 455 and 11 at bats against Kyle. But again, those are more recent. What's the players. what's the Alonzo numbers on those? On the Alonzo numbers. Uh, Alonzo is 0 for 4. Okay. So. And Lindor. Uh, Lindor is 0 for 6. <laughs> I'm surprised that there's not more at bats there for Lindor. Against Hendricks, but I guess it makes sense. Different league, and yeah, he played in the AL for a long time. Yeah, um, so that's that's probably a large part of why Scott says what a good start look like. Five innings, two runs, hundred uh, percent. I think we're we're both on board with that. <laughs> Take that heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then just kind of quickly here, Juice uh, Homer Joe and Cheese. But thirteen game hitting streak still going strong for Christopher Morrell. He says, "Let's go, boys!" With a W, uh, Juice. Speaking of the W, any final thoughts on the Cubs win? from tonight before we go ahead and look forward to Kyle Hendricks start tomorrow against these New York Mets. 
No, continue the plate approach. I love the patience. I love the working back into the zone and let's uh, take advantage, see it hit it. Runners in scoring position, get them on, get them over, get them in. So that's all it is. Baseball's pretty simple when you play like that. That it is. And and sometimes simple is good. I'm right there with you, man. Would love to see them uh, keep this momentum going. Two really good games back-to-back returning to Wrigley here. Uh, and at least a series win over the Mets. But hopefully it will be more. Because, Juice, these teams are back in action tomorrow night on Thursday, May 25th. It is a 640 start. Once again, no 120 getaway day start for these two teams. Uh, it will be... Kyle Hendricks on the bump for the Cubbies, as mentioned. And then for the Mets, it'll be Carlos Carrasco, the right-hander, 0-2 with an 868 ERA on the season. He has not been uh, the greatest by far uh, out the gate here. Juice, additional thoughts with the start tomorrow with Carrasco on the bump, especially for this Cubs team. You know, this this is one of those where you would love to, like, the first inning, they come up and just put a crooked number even before, you know. Kyle goes out, gets a couple ground balls, gets settled in, and and hopefully uh, put up a crooked number, and then he's just able to just do Kyle Hendricks things where he can pepper the zone and kind of – man, pepper's been my night, my word tonight, hasn't it? Pepper Very much. Been your night. Did you have peppers today? <laughs> I did, yeah. I had a nice salad with some cut-up peppers and uh, some cucumbers. And, I also yeah, had peppers. Made. I had peppers for lunch. I had a little bit of uh, leftover fajitas, so some good. Ooh, uh, that's, see, that's yeah. next for me. I need some fajitas. But, yeah, just, just kind of uh, you know, dance around the strike zone a little bit. I won't say pepper, I promise. Um, and uh, I don't know, yeah, just put up a crooked number and sweep it. It, it would make everything over the course of the last, like, I don't know, what would you say, five series <laughs> feel so much better if they could sweep this one and the next one. Yeah. You just feel so much better about this team if they went in, you know, on a six-game win streak against Tampa. And that's not difficult to do. You win tomorrow and take care of business against the Reds. Yeah, I know the Reds have been tough, but, I mean, they're beatable at home. You're going to have the rotation set the way you want it. And, yeah, roll in six-game win streak against a very good Tampa Bay Rays team. And, yeah, you'd be dancing on Memorial Day if that's the case. But, um, I don't know, I just – the key for tomorrow is crooked number. Crook, it's, it's Carrasco. He's been horrible. So don't let him off the hook. So sometimes like we watch this guy, we watch these guys. I'm like, man, yeah, this guy's been horrible this year. And then they're like, we look up and it's six shutout innings against Cubs. Patrick Corbin. Perfect yeah. example. Who was, who was the other guy that pitched in the, in the Philly series too? Who was, was it the Philly, the Philly series? Uh, who, who hadn't been, I don't know, whatever. Um, could have even been way before that. See, all those bad baseball games just rolled into one at this point. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, ridiculous. So let's uh, ridiculous. Yeah, let's let's win some baseball games here. That's all I'm saying. Yep, I'm right there with you, man. It all starts tomorrow. Get one tomorrow. Cap off this Mets series well, uh, and then you're at home. You sleep in your own bed as you wait for uh, a one twenty start with the the Cincy Reds on Friday to get that series kicked off. I will be there for the series finale on Sunday, as mentioned, um, and then I will be there for Game Two of that Tampa series. So very much looking forward to that. I hope this team is on a heater going into those games because the 
just like the Cubs getting on a heater, the weather's heating up in Chicago, and, and summer baseball at Wrigley is just undefeated. There's nothing better. Tyler Joe, Walker, that's who it was. Pitched oh, other. yeah, Walker was. He was horrible. And, yeah, Over five the- really strong innings against the Cubs. Yeah. They've been good at doing that so far this year. Joey wants to know, Habanero or Ghost Peppers for the next Cubs on tap punishment since we've been talking about Peppers? Um, I don't know. We'll ponder on that one for a little while. I'd rather one, do a habanero than a ghost. The one chip challenge. Oh, that sounds awful. That looks like, and then you try it, and it's like, or or the hot ones, black. The hot ones challenge. Yeah, I I don't do well with spicy anymore as I get oh. older. See, I love spicy, and so I do. I, I but that's my problem. Is you eat too much spicy of it and food. It destroys you. But I just I can't like in my in my younger days, man, like. Blazing buffalo wings, or you know, always all the all. I would ask my my tia, be like, "Yo, what's the what's the spiciest salsa you got here?" Because that's what I'm lathering my taco in, and then putting, you know, on top of the rice and all that, and on the beans too. Yeah, man. Like, man, you talk about fajitas. I haven't had tacos in a long time. We have some tacos, but yeah, man. Just as I get older, (laughs) bad. Just bad for business, man. Especially, especially since like, I'm you know I'm in the car all the time and yeah, it's, it's not, just not not ideal. When there's not a bathroom within like ten feet of me, I'm in trouble. If I had spicy, <laughs> <laughs> totally fair, man. I I I'm getting a little worse as I get older, but I, I still enjoy the spice. I can still hold it down. Um, it's it's tolerable. It's tolerable. So we'll we'll have to talk about that one, but. Juice, before we get out of here after another Cubs win, I want to remind everybody, Cubs on tap. As you know, one of two podcasts. Follow our friends over at the Dingers Podcast at Dinger Cubs Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the boys do a great job covering the Cubs. They will be live. Uh, I don't actually know what they're doing for because of Memorial Day, so be on the lookout for what their schedule looks like uh, for the Dinger boys to run coming uh, this coming week. But be sure to listen to the episode from Monday night. Uh, it was Mitch and uh, Boosh on the microphone for that one. Follow us at Cubbies on Tap. You know where to follow us at Loose on Tap at Juice on Tap. Joey knows nothing. Teddy Freddy two seventy Nick underscore on Tap. You know the drill. Bulls guy Rob as well. Don't forget about him. Bulls Bears Blackhawks. Four Feathers was just live literally before this. I was on that show with uh, Mr. Marchese. Uh, we had a good time. Be sure to go over and listen to that show as well. Um, and again, they won today. So your your friends are probably a little happy. Our friends are a little happy. Send your Southside friends to our Southside friends and tell them to check out Socks. And they can tap. be friends. <laughs> and they can be friends. <laughs> yes, they can, Juice. And they can be friends. Um, but as always, OnTapSportsNet.com. Add OnTapSportsNet on social media, the OnTapSportsNet. We're going to check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Juice, it's always a pleasure, buddy. We got back-to-back Juice and Lucia wins. Uh, hey, got, tap it out for the week. Tapping out for the everything, week. Everything from here on out is not my fault. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right there with you, man. Uh, it will be a uh, different crew for the series finale tomorrow, so be sure to join the boys uh, when they are live. And we'll be back with you on Friday um, before a little bit of a hiatus over the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we will not be back until Tuesday night when they take on the Rays in Game 2, uh, taking a little Memorial Day break. And uh, we encourage you guys to do the same. But plenty of live content. Be sure to be following Cubs on tap. Uh, Joey's at the game on Saturday. I'm at the game on Sunday. Uh, So there's going to be a lot of Memorial Day Cubs weekend content from beautiful Wrigley Field. As always, Juice, a pleasure, buddy. The Cardinals lost, as Scott says here in the comments. And what do you say, Juice? 
that we get out of here, buddy. Fuck the Cardinals. Man, let's go, Cubbies.